everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Days on Digest. I'm April Dyer, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Days on. Today, I will be your host for this podcast. The title of the episode is Short Course Antibiotics, Best Practice Advice from the American College of Physicians. We are recording this episode on Friday, April 23rd, 2021. And today, we will be taking a look at the American College of Physicians clinical guidelines on appropriate use of short course antibiotics in common infections. The clinical guideline was published in Annals of Internal Medicine on April 6, 2021. Before we get started, I think it is worth noting that short course durations of therapy for infections are not a new concept. In fact, Dazon's November 2016 newsletter is five the new seven updated treatment durations for common infections explored this very topic. Nonetheless, providers often like to hear recommendations from their practice specialties. So it is important to know about this new guideline and to be able to cite it when discussing antibiotic durations with frontline clinicians. And we're excited that the American College of Physicians released this guideline. While antimicrobial use is necessary to treat infections, we also know it is not benign. In 2014, 250 million courses of antibiotics were prescribed to outpatients in the United States and 30% of prescriptions were considered unnecessary or to have been prescribed for excess durations. Those that were particularly associated with excess durations included prescriptions written for bronchitis and sinusitis. While antimicrobial use is necessary to treat infections, we know that it is not benign. In 2014, 250 million courses of antibiotics were prescribed to outpatients in the United States and 30% of prescriptions were considered unnecessary or to have been prescribed for excess durations. Adverse events have been reported in up to 20% of patients who receive antibiotics. The CDC and American College of Physicians cite antibiotic-resistant infections as a national threat and estimate that drug-resistant infections cause 2.6 million illnesses and over 35,000 deaths each year. We know that there are many published guidelines that support short course antibiotic therapy. Unfortunately, providers do not always default to short course therapy for uncomplicated infections. The target audience for this guideline are providers that we work with every day, internists, family physicians, and clinicians who treat the guidelines target patient population, which includes patients with acute bronchitis with COPD exacerbations, patients with community-acquired pneumonia, patients with UTIs and pyelonephritis, and patients with non-purulent uncomplicated cellulitis. Since many of these patients are treated as outpatients, this is also a great guideline to distribute in the emergency department and to share with clinics affiliated with your hospital. Now, let's jump right in and discuss the four major best practice recommendations included in the guideline and provide a brief summary of findings of the guidelines and pivotal clinical trials that led to these recommendations. Best practice advice number one from the guideline states, clinicians should limit antibiotic treatment duration to five days when managing patients with COPD exacerbations and acute uncomplicated bronchitis who have clinical signs of a bacterial infection. This is defined as presence of increased sputum purulence in addition to increased dyspnea and or increased sputum volume. This recommendation is supported by the gold guidelines for COPD, which allows for patients with COPD exacerbations to receive five to seven days of antibiotics. However, a large meta-analysis that included almost 11,000 patients from 21 randomized controlled trials found that there was no difference in clinical improvement between patients who received short-course antibiotics 
for a mean of 4.9 days and those who received longer therapies for a mean of 8.3 days. This study provides the justification for the five-day treatment duration recommendation in the guidelines. Best practice advice number two states, clinicians should prescribe antibiotics for community-acquired pneumonia for a minimum of five days. Extension of therapy after five days of antibiotics should be guided by validated measures of clinical stability, which include resolution of vital sign abnormalities, ability to eat, and normal mentation. The 2019 IDSA American Thoracic Society guidelines for cats include this recommendation. The recommendation is based on data from a 2018 meta-analysis that evaluated 21 cat studies and concluded that short course durations of therapy less than or equal to six days were as effective as longer courses and associated with fewer serious adverse events and lower mortality rates. Another multi-center non-inferiority randomized controlled trial was also a driver of this recommendation. It evaluated 312 CAP patients who were clinically stable and had no fever for 48 hours at day five of CAP therapy and assigned them to either five-day courses or allowed the clinician to select their duration of therapy. The study found no significant differences among the two groups in terms of clinical outcomes at day 10 or day 30 or in CAP symptom scores at day five or day 10. Of particular interest, there are high rates of severe pneumonia in this study. Nonetheless, 70% of patients in the intervention group were able to receive a five-day short course therapy safely. Best practice advice number three states, in women with uncomplicated bacterial cystitis, clinicians should prescribe short course antibiotics with either nitrofurantoin for five days, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole for three days, or phosphomycin as a single dose. In men and women with uncomplicated pyelonephritis, clinicians should prescribe short-course therapy with either fluoroquinolones for five to seven days or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole for 14 days based on antibiotic susceptibility. In uncomplicated cystitis in women, the IDSA and European Society of Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Disease Guidelines recommend short durations as noted above. However, their pyelonephritis recommendations only extend to women and offer the option of 14 days of trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole and seven days of an oral fluoroquinolone in patients who do not require hospitalization. Since the guidelines were last published, additional data was derived from a meta-analysis that looked at short course therapies of fluoroquinolones for pyelonephritis in both men and women and noted no difference in treatment failure except in patients with complicated UTIs. They saw that patients with complicated UTIs had lower microbiologic failure rates in the longer treatment group. Five-day fluoroquinolone durations were also studied in three additional randomized controlled trials, all of which found that five-day courses were non-inferior to 10-day courses and showed cure rates above 93%. While fluoroquinolones are an option, they should be used with caution due to their ability to cause adverse events and drug resistance. It is also important to assess local resistance rates to fluoroquinolones, as well as trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole when determining the best therapies for patients at your facility. In patients with non-susceptibilities, there are data available on short-course trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. A multi-center retrospective study of 272 women with pyelonephritis caused by susceptible E. coli had similar rates of recurrent UTIs at 30 days whether the patient received seven days of ciprofloxacin or seven days of trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. Of course, 
randomized controlled trials are still needed to assess whether short-course trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is acceptable for susceptible isolate. Therefore, this was not recommended as a short-course therapy in the best practice device. Best practice advice number four states, in patients with non-purulent cellulitis, clinicians should use five to six day courses of antibiotics active against streptococci, particularly for patients able to self-monitor and who have close follow-up with primary care. In 2014, the IDSA guidelines for uncomplicated cellulitis endorsed five-day courses, but encouraged providers to extend therapy if the patient had not improved by day five. In 2019, the National Institute for Healthcare Excellence recommended a five to seven day course in these patients based on two published reviews. First, a randomized controlled trial of 87 patients noted no difference in outcomes in patients treated with five or 10 days of fluoroquinolone. Another systematic review included two randomized controlled trials and compared six days of linazolid with 10 days of linazolid or tadazolid and noted an overall similar clinical response that supported short-course therapy. The most recent randomized controlled trial, Duration of Antibiotic Therapy for Cellulitis, or the DANCE trial, compared six days of glucoxacillin with a 12-day course and noted similar cure rates and could not refute or confirm short versus long therapy in this population due to wide confidence intervals. So at this time, we need additional studies to help determine the optimal durations of therapy for patients with non-purulent cellulitis. As stewards, we know that having guidance on when to use short-course therapy is not enough to drive change on its own. In fact, there's published evidence that these recommendations are not upheld in practice. A study by Valerie Vaughn and colleagues in the Michigan hospitals from 2017 to 2018 evaluated around 6,500 patients with pneumonia to look at excess antibiotic treatment durations. In the study, 67.8% of patients received excess durations of therapy, and 93% of those excess durations were attributed to prescriptions started at discharge. The study also found that each excess day of treatment led to a 5% increase in the odds of an antibiotic-associated adverse event after discharge. Excess durations of therapy matter, and they are not benign. As an antimicrobial steward, I think it is important to think of ways to put these recommendations into practice at your facility. There are several ways to do this through passive stewardship interventions, such as durations of therapy on order sets, automatic stop orders, or antibiotic timeouts. Don't forget those discharge prescription durations too. Make sure your system does not prompt providers to restart the clock at discharge and prescribe another full course of antibiotics. However, even with these mechanisms to reduce durations in place, I think that audit and feedback will sometimes be necessary, and we need to have a thoughtful strategy to accomplish this task in the most efficient manner possible. Carefully present your evidence and the case for short course therapy and the guidelines that back up that recommendation for your patient. Try to make similar recommendations to a different provider each day to expand the impact of this education. If you see audit and feedback as education, and it is education, each time that you educate a provider, they better know how to treat future patients who have similar infections and clinical presentation. Audit and feedback. Education has cumulative effects over time. So try to target it to a wide variety of providers and units to maximize its impact. In summary, we have known for years that excessive antibiotic durations put patients at risk for C. difficile and adverse events and promote antimicrobial resistance. 
Guidelines and literature support short course antibiotic therapy for patients with select infections who are showing clinical improvement. We know that they are as safe and effective as longer treatment durations, maybe even safer. Tackling excess durations is an important stewardship intervention, and we hope you will explore this at your site. Thank you for tuning in to episode 11 of the Days on Digest. Have a great weekend. 